Hi, welcome back to uh, the 25th episode of Occupy Interview with the Occupy America Social Network. Uh, episode 25, this is Support Your Local Sheriff. Our uh, our special guest today is Sheriff Richard Mack. Uh, say hello, Sheriff. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, it's really great to be with you. I, I thank you so much for having me, and uh, I've got a lot of good friends that uh, are part of the Occupy movement, and uh, you know what, we need to... Uh, we need to occupy America with the principles of freedom that, that uh, our country is founded upon, and I hope that's what all of this is about. Well, I think we're getting there. This It's really great that we're getting a chance to talk to you. Our guest last last episode was a bronze star. There's our uh, my co-host, Ben Swan. Ben, we're already uh, we're already recording because we're uh, we're tight on time. Uh, Sheriff Max is going to have to get out at the top of the hour. Uh, can you go ahead and say hello? Absolutely. Great to be with you, Sheriff. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. It's uh, my pleasure. It's uh, an honor to be with you. Likewise. I've, I've already got my commercial in, Ben, so I'll go ahead. <laughs> ben is an Emmy Award-winning journalist, independent journalist. You were a guest on this show uh, last year and did yes. a seminar on independent journalists. Uh, which is being used, by the way. Uh, we we uh, we want to go ahead and get right into the show here. Um, a, a mutual friend of Ben uh, and I uh, knew you when you were a peace officer, and he said you're a pretty good guy, and I think Ben and I have both learned to trust his judgment. And from my dealings with you so far, I'm really glad to have got uh, finally, to get a chance to know you here, you were at the uh, you had a, a convention in Vegas. Can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, I, I started a group about uh, three years ago, a little over three years ago, known as the CSPOA, and those letters stand for Constitutional Sheriffs Peace Officers Association. So, we believe that the the most effective solution to what's going on in America. No matter what it is, I, I don't care what it is, but the most effective solution to getting the federal government out of our lives and put them back where they belong is uh, local officials just doing one simple thing, and that is keeping their oath of office. Follow and obey the U.S. Constitution. Put it first. We tell our police officers, the Constitution comes before writing tickets. The Constitution comes before kicking in doors. The Constitution comes before the drug wars. The Constitution comes before uh, anything else that we do in law enforcement. We swore in God's name that we would uphold and defend the Constitution. So what we did in implementing and creating the CSPOA is finding a way to unite law enforcement, unite the sheriffs of this country, and we really focus on sheriffs the most because the sheriff is the ultimate power in every county. And the reason the sheriff is the ultimate power in the county is because he is the only law enforcement officer who uh, directly reports to the power source in this country, and that's we the people. And so we, we uh, two years ago this very month, we had our very first convention, and last Friday, the 24th, we had our fourth one. And we did this one a little bit differently. All the other conventions were open to the public. This one was not. 
And it wasn't because there was any big secret thing. In fact, uh, all of our sponsors were invited, and most of them were there. Uh, Gun Owners of America, Larry Pratt was there. Uh, Frontside Farms Training Institute had some representatives there. And Sam Bushman was there from Liberty Roundtable and some other press. But they were not allowed to record anything in the meeting. Uh, the morning session actually was videotaped, but the afternoon session was a workshop. And all the sheriffs and public officials who were there were actually assigned to be a part of this workshop. And they didn't have to be, and they could have walked out, and they could have said no. But the purpose of the afternoon workshop was to actually implement the uh, thoughts and presentations uh, that were conducted in the morning session. Uh, Michael Perutka of the Institute on the Constitution spoke. Uh, Sheriff Nick Finch spoke, uh, who was recently arrested and acquitted by a trial uh, by uh, by a jury of his peers in in a criminal trial. And Sheriff uh, Jeff Christopher from Delaware, who's been fighting the state to preserve the office of sheriff in that state. And then I spoke and spoke of my Supreme Court decision and showing how the federal government is not our boss and that the states are not subject to federal direction and that if we are going to limit uh, the federal government if, and if we're going to maintain the intent of this Constitution and our founders of keeping the federal government under the principles of Article One, Section 8 of discrete and enumerated powers, that that responsibility does not fall on the federal government, but it falls on us as state officials to enforce state sovereignty. And so that's my presentation. And then Chris Ann Hall, a constitutional lawyer from Florida, finished up the morning session. Then the afternoon, and you've got to understand that the significance of this, the afternoon was all public officials that were there. Again, sheriffs, chiefs of police, county commissioners, deputies, patrol officers, city councilmen, uh, about totally in about 80, 85 uh, public officials. Uh, there were two or three candidates for sheriff and one candidate for governor of California, and all of these people were in attendance and were assigned to come up with a resolution. And you could, they could, they were actually totally, it was totally up to their discretion. They could call the afternoon whatever they wanted. They could call it off. They didn't even have to do it if they didn't want to. But the intent was to follow up with what we learned in the morning to implement a resolution or a declaration or a notification to the federal government that these local officials would no longer tolerate or allow certain abuses of the federal government uh, to be committed in their jurisdiction. So do you see the significance of that? Do you see where we're headed? We're putting the federal government on notice that there's a few things you're not going to do in our counties anymore. So amazingly, uh, they talked about tabling the discussion. They talked about, well, we're not going to be able to finish this today. And it went back and forth about, uh, we're not going to be able to complete it. We, we, we gave them... Uh, you know, about four and a half hours to work on this. And it just didn't look like it was going to get done. I said, hey, do you guys want to table it? Table it. I'm not even, I'm not even the MC during this event. I'm just, I'm giving my input just like anybody else that was in the room. 
I'm telling you right now, Dan, especially you, this was such a historic moment that I, I am not kidding you. The spirit of freedom, the spirit of God filled that room. We had a prayer about it, and it was suggested to have that prayer by, by one of the officials in the room. And we started the meeting with prayer, but right when we were getting close to, the, to this resolution, we had another prayer. And what they decided to do is form a committee, dismiss everyone else, give everyone else a, a uh, hour break, and come back and li- listen to the committee to see what they put together. This committee was headed by Sheriff Joey Kyle of Missouri. And Sheriff Kyle really assumed the leadership role here, and he took charge, and he and this committee of about 10 sheriffs and maybe a couple other, uh, most of them were sheriffs, but a couple other officials as well, came up with a resolution and the wording, and we now have that resolution, and it will be available tomorrow for each of you. And we want everyone to put this out all over the country. It actually tells the federal government that uh, these sheriffs and these local officials, and we've already got 41 people who have signed this this uh, resolution, 41 sheriffs, chiefs, other public officials have already signed this resolution. And it, take, it, it, it actually addresses the abuse of the IRS, saying that there will be no more audits of uh, people's personal finances without probable cause and due process, that there will be no more uh, uh, talk or any in, uh, hint of gun registration or confiscation, and that all of this, all of this boils down to the last and final re- uh, resolution, and, and there's, a, there's eight, there's eight uh, steps, there's eight lists. Uh, enumerated in this whole thing. The last one is that they will do nothing. There will be no arrests, no federal action within our counties without the express consent of the sheriff. And so they they must notify the sheriffs that they come into the communities to do anything, to uh, place lanes or to confiscate a home or to confiscate property or to make arrest, they must first contact and notify the sheriff and get his consent. And this is such a, a an amazing thing that these sheriffs did this. I did not do this. The, the people in attendance did this. And it's all because of one thing and one thing only. And, and the document also says this, that the most important thing that any of us as a, a public servant a public official, the most important thing we can do is to protect the individual rights of the people that we work for. And that's in the document. And that we are all required to do that, whether we work for the federal government or state government or local government. We are all required to do that. And this is why it was so fantastic. These people actually, at one point, the people in the room said, we need to soften the language a little bit on number eight because, it'll, you know, it'll, we won't get enough people on board. And we talked about softening the language over and over. And then we voted. And three to one, the vote went through to keep the strong language in. And Sheriff Kyle 
told the group, um, listen, if we play uh, mamby-pamby with this, and if we go soft, then we're no different than anybody of the others who compromise on standing for freedom. Uh, this thing has got to be strong, and it's got to mean something. If you soften the language, it's not going to mean anything. And so that was from Sheriff Kyle, and uh, his exertion, uh, exhortion, I should have said, uh, to us all, uh, won out. And uh, we stood up to say which one we wanted, and three to one, we, the, those who wanted the stronger language won. I even said I didn't care which way it went, but I voted to keep the stronger language. I said, if you if you sheriffs think that we need to soften this to to make a to make uh, others uh, come on board with us and join us in this holy cause of liberty and join us with this resolution and putting the federal government on notice, then we'll do it. You need to remember, this document is going to every federal agent. It's going to every federal bureaucracy. And the document even says that we will not allow the practice of federal bureaucracies making policies and regulations which they uh, want to pretend supersede the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. They cannot make policies or laws, you know, which we already know they can't make laws, but they want to pretend that they can make laws as policies, regardless of what they call it. It will never supersede the Constitution. And therefore, these sheriffs, under oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, must oppose federal bureaucracies who try to uh, skate around and supersede the Bill of Rights and the principles of freedom as guaranteed in the Constitution. So I know I've said a lot there, but I'll no, no, that, that's great. That's great. Sheriff, let me just ask you real quick, to be clear, that you said there are 41 sheriffs and, and chiefs who have signed this, or is it 41 people total? 41, 41 public officials. Only public officials can sign this document. And so if, if, for instance, uh, if you are a precinct uh, chairman, that makes you a public official and you can sign it. I think we had one that did that. I signed it because at the top of the page, again, the group there said that they wanted to put this out under the name and office of Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. So up at the top of the document, it reads, Resolution. And then right underneath that, it says, Of the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association, dated January 24, 2014. And then it gives, and then it gives the, uh, the body of the, uh, document the explanation as to why we're doing this, and uh, it, it basically starts out pursuant to the powers that were uh, bestowed upon us by uh, our citizens. Uh, we are hereby making these uh, making these notifications public and putting the federal government on notice and federal agencies. Uh, it also states in there that uh, the that the military cannot be utilized against the citizens, uh, and that uh, which would basically nullify the NDA and, and reaffirm uh, the, the Posse Comitatus Act. And it also reaffirms the Ninth Amendment in this document. It reaffirms the Tenth Amendment. It reaffirms the Fourth Amendment. But it basically, basically, I'm going to tell you this: this whole thing basically tells the federal government and all other police agents across the country 
that we will enforce the Bill of Rights and the Constitution within our jurisdictions. Why would that why would that bother anybody? We're just telling people you have to keep your oath and you have to abide by the supreme law of the land. Why would that be a problem for anybody? So that's what we're doing. That's what we did. Uh, it felt like a very historic moment. I believe that this is the most powerful document that has ever been um, promulgated or created or developed in my entire lifetime, and I am 51. This was really a miraculous and historic occasion. I didn't know it was going to be, but I felt that this conference was necessary, and we got a group of people to get moving on this. We're still trying to pay for this uh, event, so if anybody wants to donate, please do so at cspoa.org. And uh, we'd love to have you become a member. Anybody can join. Citizens, public officials alike can become members of the CSPOA. And we'd really love to have everybody get involved with us. This document will be posted on our website probably by tomorrow. And we're also going to be emailing it all over the country. And uh, so make sure, uh, Ben, I think I have your email, but make sure I have that so I can get that to you. We'd love to Absolutely. have you figured it out. And we, and we want the American people to go get their public officials to sign on to it. We're going to be increasing the signatures on this from the 41 original. Let's talk about that for a minute because I think one of the, the big challenges, and I'd love to get your point of view on this, but one of the big challenges um, that we face um, in a lot of communities across the country, whether they're in municipalities where you have a police chief or in, in a county area where you have a, a county sheriff, um, one of the difficulties is the kind of the connection now uh, from local law enforcement to federal law enforcement uh, through, you know, the uh, asset forfeiture programs, uh, through military equipment that's being granted. There is so much, um, you know, money changing hands between the feds and those local law enforcement. How do you sever that cord in order to create, um, uh, I guess, a better uh, sense of independence for well, local you're, you're law enforcement? Asking, you're asking the $10,000 question, if you'll excuse the pun. Uh, because, you know, you're talking about the money issue. Uh, we can no longer afford local law enforcement, especially sheriffs, to compromise their duties and responsibilities to serve the, uh, their local constituents so that they can get grants from the federal government or so they can get more money from these asset forfeitures. Uh, I have a sale asset forfeiture uh, as a practice, because it's quite dishonest. It's a uh, conflict of interest. It, it should never have been implemented. And I don't mind somebody going after people who they can prove, like Bernie Madoff, you know, some other swindlers or whatever, but they can prove that they stole money from people. That money and the things that they spent that money on should be returned to the victims. Uh, that's no problem. But for people to come in, and, and let me say this too, and we did not make this part of uh, this document. Um, it, it did not come up. But I have no respect uh, for the drug war anymore. I was a drug warrior for a long time. I was an, even an undercover narcotics officer at one time. But uh, I do not respect uh, or approve the, the drug war. The drug war has been nothing but a huge failure. It has done nothing but increase the size and scope of government. It has created Big Brother government. And for anybody to participate in the mentality that 
we need 700,000 police officers hell-bent on protecting us from our own stupidity or protecting us from our own appetites and addictions uh, is just opening the door to tyranny and big brother development. And right now, uh, George Orwell is looking not just like a smart author, but he's looking like a dadgum prophet. And even he could never envision the abuses of government and the underhanded, scheming government that wants to keep watch on us. The NSA and all the other cameras and and uh, monitoring and uh, and watching of citizens and spying on citizens and spying on our own allies and, and just watching each other, all in the name of national security, uh, is just absurd and ridiculous. And so all of these things, uh, as soon as we get more constitutional sheriffs and more constitutional peace officers across this country, they will understand and realize that all these other abuses are counterproductive to the American ideals that uh, we espouse, and they will see the the efficacy of the Constitution. They will see the efficacy of freedom, and they will see the mistakes that we have made with the drug war. Now, no one hates drug abuse more than I do, and I don't care where it comes from, whether it comes from medical doctors or from street gangs and cartels. I hate it. However, I hate the drug war more. The cure has been worse than the disease. We've got about uh, five more minutes in this topic segment. Uh, Did did you have any thoughts on that, Ben? You just had an article out that was quoting uh, Sheriff Mack and the grassroots up approach, uh, talking about his Tenth Amendment uh, court case. Can you did you could you give me a follow up there? I would I would just say yeah I think first of all I completely agree with what the sheriff saying certainly about the drug war and, and I think the the major issue and this is where especially in media we really have to cut through a, a lot of this um, kind of hyperbole is the idea that the drug war number one that we have any chance of winning it because we don't as as he pointed out it's an utter failure but beyond that. Um, what is winning? And that's one of the problems here, is that the idea that we're, we're vastly expanding government and vastly expanding it on a local level, on a state level, and on a federal level, uh, and militarizing police forces in the name of this war on drugs, um, it becomes just the excuse, right, the excuse for um, the expansion of government, the excuse for uh, removing so many of our, of our uh, constitutional rights. I mean, look at the Patriot Act and how... So much of it has been used. It was created to stop terrorism, but it's really only used uh, for drug cases. And, and it's, you know, it's been used domestically. It's only been yeah, used absolutely. domestically. That's right. That's right. And that's where and that's where I think what we have to start looking at is is if we're going to be intellectually honest about this, is what does it mean, as the sheriff said, to cut back um, on these programs? The problem is there's so much money attached to them um, that, you know, a lot of local law enforcement, their budget is dependent upon that that drug money funding. Um, it's dependent on the state level. It's dependent uh, on the national level. Um, Homeland Security, Customs, Border Patrol, um, so many of our programs um, are supported by the quote-unquote war on drugs. You remove that, and all of a sudden you're going to have some serious shortfalls. And I guess, Sheriff, that goes back to the issue of how do we financially sustain, especially on a local level, I mean, do we need to, to 
step back and say, you know, what is, again, the, the constitutional place of law enforcement? Because creating a, a, a police state certainly is not what the founders and framers had, had envisioned. No, and that's what we have accomplished, and we have got to turn that around. And we mentioned the police state uh, at our conference, and really this whole thing is to get sheriffs to recognize that you said then, and that is recognize how money is so tied uh, to our to our work, and that we need to re-examine what work we're doing, and re-examine uh, why we're doing things just to keep the money coming in, and to keep the uh, the toys that the federal government keeps giving us. I mean, now we're having sheriff's offices and police agencies uh, try to get drones. They're trying to get drones, and some of them have, have got them from the federal government. And, uh, oh, that's going to make us safer. And, oh, this is going to make our efforts to get, get drug dealers uh, off the streets uh, even more effective. And all of that. And we have maintained, and we have preached this at our conventions all the way through, that we should know sheriff in this country can do his job and serve his people if they continue to try to get federal grants because there is always the the homage that you will pay will not to be to your citizens but it will be to the people who are paying you and giving you the money and so it's a it's a huge conflict of interest you cannot serve two masters the master of the sheriff is rightfully and constitutionally the people who elect him but they are changing that and trying to uh, stay loyal now to the people who give them the money. And the federal government has no authority to steal money from you and me and steal money from the taxpayers, go put it in a big fund and go build, build, build some big buildings in Washington and then send it out as grants uh, and send about 5 to 10% of it back in the form of grants. That is completely unconstitutional. It's immoral. And that needs to stop. And what we have told the government, even a few governors, but mostly the sheriffs in our in our uh, association, that you need to quit taking the money and uh, keep your money in your own locales, which means we stop sending the money of hard-earned Americans to Washington, D.C., where it's used for totally corrupt purposes. That's a perfect lead-in to the next segment here. We've got about 10 minutes to try to talk about Oath Keepers. Can you explain to us what Oath Keepers are? Well, Oath Keepers is something um, that I kind of hit my head on my forehead like a V8 moment. And I said, why in the world didn't I start that? Because I actually wrote my first book in 1994 when I first filed the lawsuit against the Clinton administration over the Brady Bill. And uh, I was saying it even 10 years before that, that we as peace officers in this country need to keep our oath of office. In 1994, when I wrote the book the, from my cold dead fingers, Why America Needs Guns, is that, and that's another topic, obviously. But uh, in the last uh, chapter of the book, I wrote an open letter to all local law enforcement, to all law enforcement officers in America, uh, and the entire chapter was about how we should be keeping our oath of office. Oath Keepers is simply that. It's a national organization now asking military and public servants, especially uh, police, local police and sheriffs, to, to examine your own oath of office. You swore in God's name that you would uphold and defend the United States Constitution. I would like to ask any law enforcement officer, especially any local detective, can you examine that for me and maybe do an investigation and see if there's any evidence whatsoever 
that any of us in law enforcement actually keep that oath? That we actually have ever read the Constitution? Have we ever studied the Constitution? Have we ever provided any constitutional training in police academies or in ongoing training in our police departments and sheriff's offices? How do we keep our oath if we do not know and understand the Constitution, especially from the intent of those who wrote it? And why is it that we don't pay attention to history? Because if we looked at history and looked at what caused the Revolutionary War, we would know that those same abuses exist today over that which we fought and won our independence from King George III. Why do we now embrace those same abuses and call it keeping people safe or national security, which, of course, Franklin warned us over and over that uh, if we compromise um, liberty for security, we'll end up with neither. And all of us have heard that quote. I've even heard Matt Lauer say that quote on NBC on the Today Show. It's amazing how how prophetic and 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 clairvoyant we are now making the founding fathers look. If we if we read what they warned us not to do, we're doing just about every single one of them. And and the words of Washington uh, in his farewell address and the warnings from Jefferson that the Constitution would be uh, the means by which we would ch uh, chain politicians down. This, this would be the chain. The Constitution would be the chains to bind our politicians down. But our politicians aren't chained by anything. They think they can do anything they want. They even tell us in public meetings. The Constitution doesn't mean anything, that it's flexible, that it's moldable, that it's a breathable, livable document. It just kind of goes along with what society is doing at the time, and that's what the Founding Fathers intended. There was an article in Time Magazine about the same thing. Does the Constitution really matter? No, you know, Ron Paul's wrong, and all these other people that say there's absolutes in the Constitution. Isn't that amazing? Freedom and liberty have no absolute. It could just mean what everybody wants, what anybody wants. And now we have a communist president that uh, is, is promoting a complete destruction of the Constitution, and he doesn't have to follow anybody or any rules and he could uh, go around Congress, and the President of the United States has no legislative power whatsoever. The Constitution says all legislative power rests in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. All legislative power. And Mr. Obama has misused his office over a thousand times on executive orders, thinking that he can destroy the Constitution, destroy the Second Amendment, and, and initiate... A, a forced, forced now, get this, a forced health care system that will fine and perhaps even imprison citizens who don't go along. And and uh, the Supreme Court has uh, bastardized their responsibilities as well. And so we have got to have an answer and solution somewhere. And the American people are so frustrated that that is why Oath Keepers uh, was formed and uh, they are a sister organization to our CSPOA, and I am on the board of directors with Oath Keepers, and it's all about recognizing, once again, the oath of office that every single public official in this country has taken. They've sworn an oath of allegiance as required by Article 6 of the Constitution that all of us do. The question is, how many true Oath Keepers as public servants do we have in this country? The lamentable answer is, 
very, very few. And that's what we're trying to change at Oath Keepers and at CFPOA is create public officials who will put the Constitution and the principles of liberty first. And this is what we did at this conference uh, on Friday. And I, I believe that we have a huge beginning for the restoration of freedom and our Constitution in this country. Ben? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Sheriff, so I would like to get your point of view on this, because this is actually something that uh, we've been going back and forth on with some other media folks uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, and I just would love to get your impressions on it, because there's so much talk right now about uh, an Article 5 uh, constitutional convention and calling for this. you got guys like Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck who are calling for this. Um, I've actually been very critical of that, and, and the reason I've been oh, critical right. of it have you? Okay, I wanted to get your, your point of view. I, I was going to guess that you probably were, based on the fact that you're, you're pointing out um, the fact that our federal leaders, state leaders, even local leaders don't follow the Constitution now. So going out and creating yeah. new amendments to the Constitution certainly wouldn't bind them any more than they're bound right now, and they don't follow the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, First right. Amendment. I'd like to give you an impression of that. I mean, what is the what is the logical step? I know you're a big uh, supporter of nullification, are you not? Certainly, nullification could do a lot of this, and there's been a lot of movement towards nullification by a lot of states. And the way we the way we take back America is one county at a time, county by county and state by state. Uh, we can make Washington D.C. irrelevant. We can make all these bureaucracies irrelevant. We can make um, all their abuses irrelevant if we have local officials standing and nullifying what they're doing. That's definitely something else that we've been focusing on at the CSPOA. I'll tell you my problem with the, an Article 5 con uh, convention. And it certainly is part of the Constitution, so I, I cannot say I am against that principle. I believe the Constitution was inspired, and I believe that the Article 5 uh, convention is certainly constitutional. It's just that right now, I don't trust it any more than I trust any other politician. And uh, if we were to create a constitutional convention, then my, the only question I have is, who will be there? Because if they remove the Bill of Rights, if, if we get politicians to go to that Article 5 con uh, convention, then... What would keep them from destroying the entire Constitution and then we're done? At least now we have a document that we can hold up and say, as long as somebody enforces any of this, I have some protection. Take that document away and we have none. And so that's my biggest concern. Who would be there? I just can't see it that the Democrats and Republicans would allow anybody there that would be effective in restoring uh, freedom and principles of freedom that the original was supposed to have done. And I would say this. Uh, I agree. We haven't enforced the Constitution and we haven't in applied the Bill of Rights in this country for decades. Why don't we try going and enforcing our own Constitution before we try to form another? Uh, I, I see, you know, I, I would really like to see an amendment that would require um, what Mark Levin has talked about, and that is uh, term limits. I think that would be great. 
but term limits with uh, corrupt politicians and just rotating corrupt politicians after corrupt politicians is not going to restore the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. So at, at this point, we do have constitutional officers who can enforce the Constitution as it is now, which I love the I love our Constitution. I, I think it's a tremendous document. I think it was inspired, and I think the Founding Fathers had the right call. They may not have gotten as specific as they should have here and there. But if we had people dedicating themselves across this country to the enforcement of the Bill of Rights, and even even sheriffs put up, um, up billboards on um, the freeways and highways entering into their county and, let, and just put there... Um, Warning to all federal agents, the Bill of Rights will be strictly enforced in this county. And, and put that all across the country, and that's basically what our resolution is doing. We're telling and putting every federal agent on notice. The Constitution is going to be enforced in this county, so, buddy, you better know and understand the Constitution, because if you come in here, uh, it's, you're going to be held accountable for it. And the last line, the last line of our resolution says, Anyone violating the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, or the Bill of Rights will be dealt with as criminal activity. Do you see the do you see the power of this document? And we've already got a lot of sheriffs going on with this, and we have others that weren't there that have already said they will support it. And so we want hundreds and thousands to sign on to this document within the next uh, few weeks. And we want you, the two of you, to help us. We, I want both of you to get this out and get it to other public officials, get others to sign it, and uh, let's let's take this nationwide and let's let's have a restoration through this resolution of American ideals and principles. So, man, uh, you know the Article Five Convention. <laughs> if I could trust anybody that was there, I would go for it right now. It, you know, if you if I was if I was there, if you were there, if Ben was there, if we were some of the delegates, but who's going to select the delegates, and what are they going to do after they get there? That's the problem yeah. I have with this. I, I'm I'm 100% with you, and I think the other issue there is when you have – it doesn't matter what party you're talking about. I, I think too often, no, no. especially guys like Levin, are saying, well, you know, most of the states are quote-unquote red, and so we're we're safe. When you've got Republicans out there, guys like Peter King, who like to go around saying no right is absolute – um, yeah. You know, and they make those points all the time. I could see, you know, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't really matter. They are working now to dismantle the Constitution. If you get a bunch of John McCain Republicans there and, and Peter King Republicans there, it's going to yep. be just as bad or worse than having Democrats. And it's yep. going to be, it's going to be a mess. And it's going to be thrown up, you know, most, most Republicans, uh, just go along, uh, with their Republican heads like, you know, Lamar Smith from Texas, he's been a career politician. He's been in there 26 years. And, you know, those Republicans there just will do anything to keep him in office, uh, even if it means um, going against our own Constitution and the principles of Texas independence. They don't care. It's about winning and keeping power and keeping their uniform in office. And, mm -hmm. and so, really, this entire process of the all-star wrestling match between the Democrats and Republicans gets in the way of standing for principles of freedom and the system is something I simply don't trust and it's because I don't trust that system and because I don't trust politicians is why we have the CFPOA. 
So anybody wanting to be a part of this, if you want to be part of the solution, and I don't see any other solution out there, especially this immediate and this effective, you don't have to wait for another campaign. You don't have to wait for another election. You don't have to hope that finally some Democrat or Republican that you voted for will do what they promised for once. This is the promise. This is putting it to effect. And this is protection and service and peace and freedom right now. It's right now. It's happening right now. And the enforcement of state sovereignty is the only solution we have left. This is what we're doing, and this is what these sheriffs are doing. And I ask everybody listening to this program to join us in this holy cause of liberty. It will protect you and help you and your families as much as it will mine. We've got about five minutes left till we lose you at the top of the hour. And, Ben, hopefully you can stay back with me and we can kind of talk a few minutes and fill out the end of the show here. Uh, but in that last couple of minutes, uh, could you touch on the concept of a posse? That people have kind of forgotten what a posse used to mean. And I know you've been involved with it. I can see it on the website. Um, sure. Trust the people. That's that's what we're back down to. There were fewer police killed by firearms last year than at any year since Wyatt Earp used to be a peace officer. Um, they're afraid. The politicians are afraid. Their phones, their phones are tapped. We had uh, we had the guy that asked the NSA, "Are you tapping our phones too?" And he didn't get an answer. So everybody's afraid. How do we get past the fear? How do we bring back the power of the county? Well, the way to get rid of the fear is to get rid of the uh, agents in our counties that are causing these uh, fears. Uh, if you look at the statistics. There is something that's really horrible and amiss and that should scare everybody to death, including sheriffs and chiefs of police and our nation's police officers and peace officers. And that is this. In 1985, I had been a cop at that time about six years. In 1985, the uh, nation averaged about 3,000 SWAT team raids every year. 3,000 SWAT team raids, that's whatever, you know, going in and arresting a murder or uh, jumping into a, a cartel, uh, drug drug distribution center, or whatever. Whatever, there was 3,000 SWAT team raids. Last year, there was over 85,000. Uh, that's an astronomical increase. Uh, it, it is a, a, a sign, again, of what uh, Ben was saying, and that is about the uh, militarization of our police uh, all across the country. We can no longer afford to keep this happening. Getting people involved with your sheriff is part of the solution. Having posses and volunteers working, this is something that's been going on for, for centuries. Um, most uh, search and rescue squads are formed by volunteers and citizens. Um, Sheriff Joe Arpaio from Phoenix has over 3,000 on his posse, and they do tremendous work and help the sheriff uh, tremendously in keeping the peace uh, in his community. It's very organized and very well trained. That's up to the sheriff how organized and how trained they would be. But the militia concept, and the word militia doesn't need to be uh, a bad word. 
but uh, our, our U.S. media has, and politicians have made it a bad word. The word militia appears in the Constitution at least three or four times, and it's in the Second Amendment. When you understand what the militia was, uh, look at the right of Paul Revere. He called out the militia, which is we the people, and we the people need to get more involved with our sheriffs and uh, get, get be a part of his uh, work and his effort. Make sure you have a relationship, and that keeps, the posse keeps a constant relationship between the, the, the people and the sheriff. This is something that is good, it is helpful, it is the American way, and we need to remember that in America, and only in uh, America, have we ever had a government that was based on the power of the people. We bestow all power. We are the top uh, of the pyramid in uh, the American constitutional republic. In our government, the people are the ultimate power. Do we understand that? We are the ultimate power, not just because we vote. It is because what we say and what we do. We are the ultimate power, and they must check with us, and they must check in with us. And so the, the, the power of the people and the power of the posse are one and the same, and we must get people involved in the governmental process or America will fail. We are dying right now. And we are doing everything we can to resuscitate America and get the people involved and get them woke up. If we wake up in time, we can resuscitate America, but it will take some serious CPR, constitutional principle of resuscitation. And <laughs> once again, I want to reiterate, join us at the CSPOA. Go to CSPOA.org, become a member, and get involved in this holy cause of liberty with us. Uh, you'll be totally welcome. In fact, it's vital that you do. Thanks so much for having me on. Been great having you, Ben. Any last thoughts? Uh, just sheriff, thank you so much. And please do do send us, uh, you know, this uh, information as it comes out. We definitely want to help you to promote it. Uh, you're doing exactly what needs to be done. Thanks a lot. This will all be lot, linked on on the page that goes with this, sheriff. So send me any links. You've got my email, and I'll make sure that Ben and I both have uh, what we need to get this word out. This is, yeah, this is the most important news I've heard all week. Yeah, it is. It's probably uh, it will be the most important news you've heard in a decade. I'm sure. I promise you. It's the top of the hour. I'm afraid we're going to lose you. Hopefully, we can get you back, Ben. If you can stay okay. with me a little bit. Sure thing. Yeah, let's just uh, you know chat a little bit about this. I mean, I think what, what Sheriff Mack is talking about, you know, as he said, uh, is so critically important. Look, I, I go around the country speaking on this issue. Uh, often, and what he is talking about to me is the remedy. You know, people talk about the fact that national elections are not responsive, the fact that um, the, the primary system is so broken in America. We have this faux two-party system um, that is clearly broken. We have a national election system that's broken. We have a, a um, debate system uh, that is broken. We have a primary system that is broken. Um, we have ballot access issues um, and a system that is broken. So how do you ever make your voice heard? Well, look, if you're going to take part in any election in the entire country, the one that you should be focused on is the election of your county sheriff. If you have one election that you say, I want to make sure my voice is heard, get out and vote in those. Run candidates. Find candidates who are strong constitutionalists who believe in the proper role of government 
and run them. Remember, a sheriff does not have to be law enforcement. does not have to be someone with law enforcement experience. Um, it's an elected position. You can run anybody for it. Um, and so I really want to encourage people. You know, when, when Sheriff Mack is talking about this idea of, of the remedy being on this local level within counties um, to create balance of power and, and to restore it uh, to the individual and to communities, this is how you do it. And, and what he is saying should not be taken lightly, and, and you cannot overstate the importance of what he's talking about. And again, the really important part of the posse system that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years is that that's what the tool that we've got to get people to no longer have to fear their police and the police no longer having to fear the people. Uh, that We've got to get past the fear. Uh, are, are you seeing any signs of where's some good news about how we're getting past <laughs> the fear? We're winning. <laughs> Tell if you, Tell us an example well, look, of how you see it. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we are getting past the fear right now. I think we need that's where we've got to go. But I think every, everything within our system right now um, is geared towards fear. I mean, that's how you create systems where people don't have rights. So, I, listen, I was at an event in Minnesota, and I got, a guy came up to me afterwards because we were talking about these issues, militarization of police, the fact that we have police and sheriffs uh, and, and, and certainly sheriff's deputies who don't know the Constitution, uh, who have never read the Constitution, never studied it. Um, the problems that we run into with, um, you know, the quick response to immediately uh, tase suspects, um, the fact that, that cops, you know, have this, seems to have this incredible fear uh, of, of their quote-unquote suspects. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he said, listen, I'm a, I'm a detective. I've been in law enforcement for 20 years. And he says, I got to tell you, you're, you're right on when you say that. But he says, let me tell you why. He says, the problem that we have in law enforcement is that every time we go through a training, we are being taught that the person out there on the street is a threat, that the suspect is a threat, that the person you pull over for speeding is a threat, um, that the person who made an unsafe lane change is a threat. Everyone is, is, a, is a possible danger, that if you pull this person over, if you stop this person on the street, you may not be coming home. And so we're constantly reinforcing the idea that the person that you're dealing with is the enemy, as opposed to someone for whom you serve or someone for whom you work, right? And so the mentality is completely upside down. And he says when you, when you talk to uh, law enforcement, what you're going to find out is that Month after month after month, he said, we are running through active shooter drills. All we're training for nowadays are active shooter drills. And so we constantly are being reinforced with this idea that everyone out there is a threat. He says, how many times do you think that uh, law enforcement officers go through training on the Constitution? And he told me, he said, in my career, I have never once, never once been through that training. When I was in the police academy, we had a very short course that talked about constitution and constitutional rights in the police academy. He says, in 20 years of actual, you know, police service, I've never once had a course on it, never once had training on it. And yet every single month, he says, we go through an active shooter training drill. And so when you talk about the fear issue, I, I think that is key to what we're talking about. We have to start breaking this idea that everyone is a threat, that everyone is dangerous, um, and that, you know, it, that every overreaction by law enforcement is acceptable. People will tell me often when they, because we really, as you know, you know, Terry, we go after this, this issue on Vince1.com a lot, and we see, you know, issues where police 
um, abuse people, where they are, they are over-aggressive, where they um, uh, sexually abuse people in some cases, physically abuse them. I mean, the, the way that people are treated by police officers, if the person weren't wearing a uniform or didn't have a badge, they would be charged with either sexual assault, they would be charged with aggravated assault, they'd be charged with battery. These were just civilians dealing with each other. But they're not. Because you have a badge, you're given this license to treat people however you choose. And so people will, will tell me, they'll say, you know, you're a, you're a cop hater. You hate cops. And, and it's absolutely not true. I, I have a lot of respect for cops. But I also have to, to understand, and I think what we have to expect of peace officers and law enforcement, is that they respect the fact that they are here to serve the public. Not to control, not to dominate, not to intimidate, but to serve the public. And we have to restore that idea. The other side of that is that we've also got to try and get it back to the public. Our guest, I think it was before you chimed in, but the, uh, our guest was Antonio Bueller, who started Peaceful Streets, Bronze Star winner, veteran. Uh, two, two years ago, he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, they were, they're, they're taught about honor at the military academy. And he saw a woman basically being roughed up by the cops. And he stepped in and said, wait a minute, um, what are you doing here? And started filming. And basically at that point, we did the seminar a year ago on how do you survive being an independent journalist. So he is basically at that point became an independent journalist. Welcome to our world. Um, he's hot. It, the, the amount of people right now that are hot they don't even see that there's any hope that we can turn this back around. They keep talking about the tanks that are being sent yep. out. Uh, Homeland Security is over 2,000 tanks being brought back from Iraq and brought back from Afghanistan and being used on the American people. But the backside of that is, um, guys, we lost in Iraq with those tanks. We are losing in Afghanistan with those tanks. Those tanks yep. are not going to protect those guys. That's not their protection. Their protection is the power of the county, that the people are there to protect them, and these guys are the people who need to get a handle on it, and people need to get back to the concept of, don't be afraid of these people. That, that, that was what we're back down to now. It's actually kind of laughable uh, if we ever get it back under control that there is one rule of law, and whether you wear a badge or not, you still have to follow the rule of law. We're not out of time. Did you have anything uh, last? Yeah, uh, we got about yeah. five minutes left. Yeah, the last thing I'd say, you know, is that I totally agree with you, and I think it comes back. We have a, we have a, a phrase that we're using at binswan.com now, um, where we say humanity is greater than politics, and I think that that the humanity issue is really key here when we talk about law enforcement because one of the things that has happened over the past few years is there has been a constant desensitizing to the idea of humanity. And so, you know, when you when you see things like these, uh, what are they called, no hesitation targets, right, where cops are being trained to shoot at targets that look like a pregnant woman or a little kid holding a gun, right, that training is being done for the specific purpose of saying don't hesitate. Even if it's a child with a gun, don't hesitate, you know, you've got to shoot him. If it's a pregnant woman with a gun, don't hesitate, you've got to shoot her, right? Because everyone's a threat, and they're, they're equally as dangerous as anyone else. And we're, we're desensitizing in the training process, desensitizing police uh, to not see their, the people they deal with, the suspect um, or, or the person as being human, right? We're taking away 
uh, the humanity. And I think that's what we have to restore is the idea that, you know what, we shouldn't be not only training on no hesitation targets, we should be training on hesitation targets. Hesitate. If you have lethal force at your fingertips, you should absolutely be trained to hesitate and, and to take every precaution and to be as careful as possible and to, to err on the side of safety. Uh, when it comes to people, and, and that's we, we've done the exact opposite. And a lot of it, you know, I just want to say, a lot of it goes back to the drug war. It goes back to the drug culture. Go back to the 1970s. Go back to the 1980s and how people were treated in, in poor minority communities in this country when police were dealing with drugs, kicking down people's doors. You know, due process rights don't matter. Um, your, your right to safety doesn't matter. You get roughed up, you get beat up. That's the way we treat people in, in those scenarios. And white America sat by and allowed that to happen. Suburban America sat by and allowed that to happen. And now it's come full circle so that it's not only happening in those communities. It happens everywhere all the time. And it's, it's spread like a cancer. And because so much of America refused to intervene or say anything about it, uh, we just allowed it to, to get much, much worse. And so what I would say is we have to put humanity back into the mix here and, and get back to the concept that people have rights and they have um, uh, constitutional rights, civil rights, and they have freedoms, and they have they should have the respect of law enforcement uh, to be treated in the best way possible. They've kind of lost that respect, uh, and, and yeah. that's a shame. That's really a shame. Um, it's also something that we've got to get beyond because right now people are enraged. And I really wish we'd had more time to go into it with Sheriff Mack. I'm not sure law enforcement really understands just how enraged people are right now. Uh, the only thing holding things back at this point is patience. And patience is really running thin. Um, so so the, it's going to run both ways. We're going to have to recognize the humanity of not just the cops, but that cop is also a father That's or right. a mother. Um, That's right. Those are our people. Those are Americans, too. And they need yep. to recognize us as fellow Americans. Um, hopefully this show is the beginning of try to be thinking about what we need to do to try to get the fear tamped down. Because that's number one. FDR didn't get a lot of things right, and I'm a Democrat. Uh, but the statement he made about we have nothing to fear but fear itself, a war on terror, that says it all. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about fear. We've got to get past the fear. Um, right on. Ben, it's been great having you on again. Thanks for co-hosting with me. Uh, we kind of hit the ground running on this one because we just had a communications glitch. Welcome to radio. <laughs> it's, it's not always this messed up. Usually it's worse. Uh, but you've already been on the show before, so you know we run a tight ship over here at Occupy Interview. Um, Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll have the uh, the links put together uh, that, that Sheriff Max sends, and we'll get that across to you. I should have this up and posted. Uh, any last thought? Got about a, about a minute left. Just to appreciate the work that you're doing, and as you said, I... I hope as well that this is, uh, you know, kind of the beginning of a movement. And I think there is a movement uh, afoot that essentially restores, um, you know, power to people. It, it restores a respectful relationship. And that's what we're, we're really lacking in our culture is we've, we've lost this respect that people should have for each other. And as you said, because, you know, uh, police officers aren't 
to, you know, they're not RoboCop, right? These guys are fathers and husbands and sons and daughters and wives who live in our communities. And so they need to be treated with respect and they need to be cared for. And, and we need mutual respect. So totally with you on that. Let's get it done. Great. I'd like to see what Antonio has helped start. His was called Peaceful Streets, and that's what we need again. We need peaceful streets. I think this was a good step in that direction. I thank you again. been great having you. Hopefully we can get you back on the show here before too much longer. Uh, it was really Sounds fun. Good. Always is. Yep. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, for Occupy America, thanks. Uh, thanks for standing, Ben, and uh, see you all on the next show.